Have you ever been told to trust yourself? It's one of those vague pieces of advice that can be interpreted a million ways. Sometimes it feels like an impossible task, and other times it feels like a cliche we tell ourselves when we don't know what else to do. In this episode, voiceover artist and entrepreneur Adam MacArthur discusses what it means to trust yourself and follow your passion. Are they really the same thing? And if they are, how do we make them happen in our lives? We also delve into tuning out the social messaging that has been programmed into our minds. I'm Bob Wheeler, and this is Money You Should Ask, where we explore why we do what we do when it comes to money. Adam MacArthur is best known for voicing fan favorite Marco Diaz in Disney's hit series, Stars Versus The Forces of Evil, for four seasons. Soon after, he transitioned into the world of anime and quickly made a name for himself in that genre. Adam can currently be heard as the lead in Jujutsu Kaisen, based on the popular Japanese manga series of the same name. He also stars in the supernatural suspense anime Shadow's House in dual roles as Ricky, a living doll working in the house who acts as Patrick's face. Another anime starring role includes Tokyo Revengers, The Orbital Children, just to name a few. Outside of acting, Adam is a successful entrepreneur. He has been running a photo booth company called The Booth and Bus Company for nearly a decade. While the company does offer you traditional photo booth designs, they've also a selection of uniquely designed booths modeled after vintage VW buses. The Booth and Bus Company does not stop at just small weddings and parties. They have earned a devoted following of A-list clientele from their work at corporate and entertainment events throughout Los Angeles. Well, Adam, it is so great to have you on the show. I feel like I'd recognize that voice anywhere. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> I love to hear that. That's a huge compliment. You know, I was thinking like many kids get the message to be seen and not heard, but it feels like maybe your message was to be heard but not seen. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Or just you will hear me no matter what. <laughs> yeah. But you may not see me. You'll just see the cartoon, <laughs> the anime. So what you do is voice acting. Mm -hmm. How does one get started in voiceover? Yeah, I think the key component of voice acting is acting. So most voice actors don't necessarily start out just doing voice acting. I mean, the base of it all is being a good actor. So I started how any actor would, and that was just by taking some acting classes. I literally always wanted to since I was a kid. So finally, when I was 16, 17, my parents put me in an acting class, and that's how I got started. Oh, that's so cool. So your parents actually knowingly helped you and aided and abetted you in this path to acting. Yes, they were always entirely supportive of whatever I wanted to do as far as like my goals and my dreams. That doesn't mean that I didn't get the, are you sure this is what you want to do? Or maybe you should have a backup plan conversation because I had that many, many times. But yeah, I'm kind of, I don't know if the word is stubborn or willing to put up with discomfort <laughs> to yeah. achieve my goals. I don't know what it is, but I always just knew that it's what I wanted to do. So I was going to figure out a way to make it happen. And do you think when you got into this, like when you took the acting class, was it, I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm going to be famous? Or it's like, I really enjoy playing these characters? Or what was the driving force as a 16-year-old kid? I think it was just, I really loved entertaining people. And I really loved making people laugh and making sure that the people around me were happy and having a good time. I think that's really what it came down to. Performing, whether it's live on stage or in a show where you can connect with the fan base, I think it's just like making people's day brighter. 
you know, there are times when the money is amazing and that's always nice too. Cause then you're like, wow, I can make money and also do the thing that I really love. But I would say that I've always had a good relationship with money and I don't think that's ever really been my sole motivating factor for pursuing this career. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You say that you've always had a good relationship with money. Was that your parents' fault? <laughs> Was that <laughs> like, how did that come about? Because that's not most people. I have an older brother. He's 12 years older than me. My parents are great with money, but very, I don't know if the word is typical or what you would expect, very middle class in terms of just how they think. And when I was growing up, we had a house to live in and we could go out to eat every couple of weeks or go to the movies every couple of weeks, but we weren't living some lavish lifestyle. I remember as a kid, there were times where it's like, oh yeah, we can't do that yet. We're saving or things like that. So it was always just like a, I don't know, a very typical experience, but we weren't living above our means. Things like, oh, we can't get that right now because we have to save was instilled in me from a very young age. My parents were generous with all of us kids in terms of like, all right, here's $20. You can go to the movies with your friends like every now and again. So I had that, but also I wasn't like showered with gifts or anything like that. I had to work for whatever I wanted. But I also, like I said, my older brother, he's 12 years older than me, very financially smart. He's a math guy, a stock guy from really early on. And I just think we're so similar, but he's one life step ahead of me in terms of like age and years and experience and stuff like that. So I always looked at him and just would have conversations with him about the importance of financial responsibility, planning for the future, having fun in your day to day, but also being conscious that, especially in the career that I've chosen, feast or famine is a real thing. So you've got to plan for those times of famine so that you're not a starving artist, which is something I've always said, you don't need to be in order to be an actor. So, Yeah. And I imagine that you have many starving artist friends. Oh yeah. I have a lot of creative friends and that is a mantra. Yeah. Some people see it as a badge of honor. For me, I I want to eat dinner when I want to eat dinner and I want to go to the movies if I want to go to the movies. And if I feel like buying a pair of shoes that I want, that I want to be able to buy them. So I just feel like, again, not that the money was the motivating factor, but I just don't believe in a lot of these things that you're told that we just start to say to each other for some reason, like, right. oh, oh, are you a starving artist? Or when I first moved to LA, people would ask me like, oh, what do you do? Are you an actor? And I'm like, yeah, I'm an actor. They're like, oh, so where do you wait tables? And I'm like, right. well, of course, <laughs> thankfully, I haven't had to do that. However, there is no shame in that. I tell all my friends, there's no shame in doing what you have to do in order to do what you love to do. And that means if you have to get a second job to pursue a career as an actor, who cares? Like you're doing it. You don't have to subscribe to all these like negative things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think people do get caught up in that. And certainly many parents have said, are you sure? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a backup plan, something like that. So yeah, no, that's great that you've got that healthy relationship because a lot of people don't get to start there. And it takes them a lifetime to find that. I think it's important for people to remember too, when their families or their significant other or whoever is saying those things. I mean, it really does most of the time come from a place of love and care. Like they just want you to be okay. Yeah. And if you know you're going to be okay, then you just have to trust that eventually they'll see that too. But I do understand that some people have it, have it tough, but you got to do it. Some you. people have it tough. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I don't know how tough it is for you, but you've got a lot of fans. So how do you manage the pressure? Like you were just at Comic-Con. Yeah. How is that to go out and be recognized? Has that altered your life at all? And how do you deal with that? 
Yeah, I think for voice actors, we sort of have the best of both worlds. We get to go to these events where people often do know who we are. But in general, in my day-to-day life, I can act as normal as possible. So it is fun. It is fun to have those moments where you're walking down the street in San Diego at Comic-Con and someone's like, Adam? And then they have a fan moment. But as far as like it changing my life or who I am or anything like that, I mean, it's not lost on me that I have been incredibly fortunate to be able to do the things that I have. There are a large amount of people who try and do these things and don't have success. Success to a level of being recognized somewhere. So I just take it as humbly as possible. People wait in lines to meet me at conventions, and that is crazy. (laughs) It really is a wild, wild thing. So yeah, I mean, my plan and how I currently handle all of it is with a heart of gratitude. And I make sure that everyone who comes through my line knows that I'm grateful for them. If they spend money at my table, if they take the time to stop when they're walking by on the street to say hello, I'm thankful for that. So hopefully it hasn't changed my life. I've done martial arts my whole life and there's too many people in my immediate vicinity who would beat me up if I started getting out of hand. (laughs) Well, that's probably- Too arrogant (laughs) about any of this stuff, so. They'll take you to task, yeah. Yeah, I'll just continue to be grateful for it. Cool. Where do you think you cultivated that mindset of gratitude? Because I think for a lot of people, sometimes we take things for granted. Yeah. And we don't necessarily go, wow, wow, I'm really grateful that I have hot water today. Oh, I'm really grateful that my car started or that I can pay high prices in gas. Where for you did that start? I mean, was that something that started at home? Is there something that happened that just made you realize that humble and gratitude is way to go? Yeah, it's probably been a lot of different places. I definitely was raised to always say thank you and have that respect for your elders, respect for service staff, things like that. So please and thank you are common vocabulary for me. I do find it better. You can brighten someone's day by thanking them, by holding a door. These are like free things you can do. (laughs) Remembering someone's name is just when you see them later on and using their name when you talk to them is something that makes people smile. And so, yeah, from a very early age, I was just, you know, raised to do that. But I do think that martial arts really helped significantly. I did Chinese martial arts. So I did Northern and Southern Shaolin Kung Fu, and I also did Judo. And just baked into martial arts is this level of respect, gratitude, humility. So I think that also played a huge part. But in my adult life, going from having a lot to having a little to having a lot, and then having a little again, and then finally building up to a place where it's more consistent in what I'm making as far as income goes and things like that, I think going through those experiences really help you as an adult understand why it's important that you're taught those lessons as a kid and you continue to practice them because you can have everything and you can go to nothing like that. Everything is come and go. Money, easy come, easy go. You can have it one minute and the next minute COVID happens and you're shut down and you can't do anything. So I just think it's the best policy is constantly remembering that this could all go away and that you should be grateful for it. And it doesn't need to cause, you know, anxiousness or nervousness or keep you in that hustler mentality, which I think is common for a lot of my actor friends. But I do think that just remembering that you're really lucky. And for me too, like in the field that I'm in, hundreds, if not thousands of people are out there working and their auditions are being heard just like mine. So when I get the email that I've booked this job or this role or working on this or working on that, there's, I don't know. You have to be thankful because it literally could be anybody. Yeah. But 
this time it was you. So, yeah. And I'm wondering in that having a lot, having a little, having a lot, I've had several clients that have made a few million dollars, not had a few million dollars. Yeah. And they'll go out and buy that $200,000 RV and they'll buy the house with the pool. And now they've got a really cool one bedroom apartment in Studio City. Yeah. Besides the shoes, did you have anything where you were like, I need this red sports car or anything where you went out and did a little or even just an indulgence that was well-deserved? Yeah, I think I really planned for the future so much that I haven't had anything that has been like a super frivolous spend or like a thing where I'm like, I got to have this. It's something I've always wanted. But (laughs) I will say I'm a total collector. So I love comic books and toys that I had when I was a child. So I do collect things and those are probably my splurge purchases. But I will say that those are kind of secondary to making sure that I'm set up for the essentials and that I'm in a place where if there's a time of famine and work that I'm still going to be fine. And so there hasn't been anything necessarily like super crazy that I've gone out and bought, like purchased. Maybe I should think of something. Well, it just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, go now, go now. No, no, yeah. don't spend, don't spend. Well, yeah. you know, I'm imagining when you're talking about making people laugh and it seems to me, at least my experience as an actor or getting to make people laugh and stuff, in a way you get to stay young. Totally. Because you're not tied to the, now I must get the second car and the third dog and the picket, like whatever it is. Yeah. There's a lot more freedom to be in the moment and to play, which I think sometimes as adults, that gets lost. Like we're not here forever. Doesn't all have to be a grind. And to have those moments, whether there's money or not money, we can still be grateful and playful. 100%. Yeah, this is actually why people ask me what I recommend. People want to get into the industry or anything like that. And I always say that improv, improv is great. Even if you don't want to get in the industry, but you're just looking for something that reminds you what it's like to play on stage, that reminds you that it's okay to have fun and things like that. Also, when you're making up stuff on the spot, that does wonders for your confidence and can help in any other area of work. I have a ton of friends that work in the corporate world and these big companies hire improv teachers to come in and do workshops with their employees and stuff like that because it builds the team and it builds confidence. And ultimately, I think improv is amazing kind of in all those areas. Well, now let me ask you this, because I've done a lot of improv and I love it. It's a lot of fun. But and I don't know if you agree with this, so I'm going to check in. For me, improv is a whole lot more fun when you're doing it than watching it because (laughs) half the time when I would do improv with an audience, they're always like, you guys wrote that out. Like, no, we didn't. It was improv. Yeah. And they're like, no. But in the moment when you're creating, you know, it's magic. I'm just curious, like for you, is the improv more fun when you're creating it? And maybe it is just because you're getting to participate. I'm just curious your take on that perspective. I think that's hilarious because well, look, there's a lot of bad improv out there. So <laughs> it's a lot of bad improv. <laughs> it probably is way more fun to do it than it is to watch it, depending on where you go. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would actually 100% agree with that. But I do think, yeah, I mean, as a performer, of course, it's going to be more fun than watching it. I mean, what a compliment when people think that you wrote it when you are completely making it up on the spot. So yeah, good work. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've been in improv classes where people were like, I'm an insurance agent. I'm an attorney. And I'm like, what? But it does. It is a way to just get the creative juices flowing in a way that a lot of other stuff doesn't offer. Yeah. And kind of get you out of your shell and just open up. 
I have a lot of friends who used it for their own personal life. And they're like, I want to be more outgoing when I go out and meet people and feel comfortable talking to people. And so they use improv as sort of this tool. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's really awesome. Yeah. Well, now you're not just an actor. You had this idea that I'm going to get a booth and a bus and I'm going to create photo booth experiences. Yeah. Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, I'm like, what? What was that thought process of like, I'm going to get a Volkswagen bus and like, we're going to do this. So it definitely wasn't random. But if you had asked me even two years prior to me starting the company, like, hey, what if you owned a photo booth company one day? I would have been like, oh, that sounds weird. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah. I don't know anything about that. But yeah, it really all stemmed from, <laughs> I was paddleboarding in Marina Del Rey and I was amongst all of these giant yachts and I was looking at them as I was paddling, very peaceful, like kind of solitary moment. And I was like, man, who owns these things? <laughs> Someone has enough money to buy these yachts. These are like millions and millions of dollars, $100 million, $50 million. Like someone has enough money. Someone knows what it feels like to look at that yacht online, look at their bank account and then say, I want to get that. <laughs> and I was just going down this rabbit hole as I was paddling. And I'm like, what does that feel like? And then one thought led to another. And I was like, has my idea of success or like what I'm striving for in my work been dictated by what I grew up knowing, which was what I explained earlier, this kind of middle class can go out to dinner here and there, that sort of level of wealth. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I think it has. And as an actor, the kind of trick for surviving really early on is if you book a commercial or something like that, once you do the commercial, you leave set and you go and file for unemployment. <laughs> and you get those $400 checks every week and you use it to sustain until you get a residual check in for the commercial or you book your next job. And then you just like keep using that as much as possible. And at this time, I was on unemployment and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I'm getting $400 a week and that was enough to cover my rent at the time and have a little bit of spending money. And I was like, I think I'm hindering myself. I think I'm holding myself back. I'm comfortable right now. And I was thinking about these people who own these things, these yachts and whatever. And I'm like, they're not sitting around comfortable. It's probably a level of work and whatnot that is a lot more intense than sitting home and collecting an unemployment check. So I left Marina Del Rey and I went home and I said, I'm hindering myself and I'm more resourceful than this. So I went online and I canceled unemployment immediately. And I was like, well, now I don't know where my next check's coming from. I gotta start a business. So I started a martial arts supplement company first and quickly learned that it's just an insanely competitive space. And it was with a business partner. I learned that I don't really like having business partners because <laughs> <laughs> I can control what, how much work I do, but not them. Right, exactly. So that company kind of came and went. We didn't lose anything, but we didn't really make anything. And then I just always kind of kept my options open, kept my ear to the ground. And a good buddy of mine and his wife had a wedding photography company. And their mentors had suggested to them that they add a photo booth as like an add-on to their wedding photography services. And that would be a good source of income for them. And they were not sure about it. And so I was like, hey, he was talking to me about it, like, you know, what his mentor had said. And I was like, well, dude, what if I run it for you? And they're in Bakersfield, which is about an hour and a half north of LA. I was like, I'll come up on the weekends. You book it. I'll run your events. So we just started. I did that for about six months. I learned so much about what I wanted to do business-wise what it took to actually run the events. Then I was like, hey, can I book your booth 
down in LA on the weekends when you're not booked. So I learned how to build a website. I got a Yelp page up and really shortly after I started getting calls and inquiries and everything just kind of snowballed from there. It was called My Photo Booth LA at the beginning. Okay. And we didn't have any Volkswagen buses. I did that for about a year and was like, man, everyone does the exact same thing. These all look the same. I got to figure out something different that is a cool aesthetic and all of that. So at first I was like, maybe I'll get an old vintage Mini Cooper and put a photo booth inside it, drive it into a wedding venue and people can sit in an old car and whatever. But then I was like, oh, you can only fit a couple people in that. I was like, maybe a Volkswagen bug? Eh, still only a couple people. And then I was like, what if I got a Volkswagen bus and put a photo booth inside and did weddings, corporate events, all this stuff. And from there, it just kind of exploded. In 2019, we were doing about 250 events a year. I expanded from one photo booth to three photo booths, three Volkswagen buses, and five employees, two full-time, three part-time. And yeah, it's been an amazing business since 2011. And it's afforded me the ability to not have to rely on income from acting, Yeah, which then in auditions frees me up to be more creative. There's no pressure. It literally is just because I love it. And it's made all the difference in my career because it's also exploded alongside the company. So it's been awesome. No, I think that's cool. And this all stemmed from being in a paddle boat, looking at the yachts. And I'm actually wondering if the people in the yachts were looking down at you going, I should have invested in a paddle boat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, life can be more simple. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Dang it. This thing's expensive. Oh probably. man. The yeah, gas probably. on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fun. And now you've got all these A-listers that come and get their photos. Oh yeah. And like, how has that changed? Or do you have to change the way you behave when you're working with A-listers? Are they like, give me an extra clean bus? Are they like super high maintenance? It's no big deal. No, I think the beauty of also being in the entertainment industry is I just don't put up with any of that stuff. <laughs> I'm like, nope, you get what you get. This is the price. I have people email me all the time that are like, hey, we have this many followers and this, it would be great exposure. And I'm like, we're not interested, but if you would like to check out our pricing, here's what it is. And you know, I'm nice about it and everything. I understand. I also like love getting a great deal myself and I'll always ask for a discount or whatever. Sure. So, you know, so I can't be mad that people are asking, but I also just think that, no, we provide a good service. I know the value and it's what it costs and that's it. But it is cool, you know, to get to do weddings for super famous people or yeah. corporate events for Netflix, Google, like Amazon, the big companies and things like that, rap parties for Ellen and This Is Us and all that stuff. But we're all people. We are literally all People trying to do a good job at what we're trying to do and hoping that people like us. So I just, I treat everybody the same. Yeah, there's no special treatment (laughs) from me. Well, yeah, it's funny because I work with a lot of people that are celebrities, but some of my clients, hey, this famous, famous, famous person is like, hey, do you want to redesign my house for free so that you can say you did my house? Or hey, famous actress, you're so lucky you get to do my hair coloring I shouldn't have to pay you because you get to say that you did it. Or I even knew somebody was like, hey, man, you should give me my weed for free. I'm super famous. You can tell people you're my weed supplier. And I'm like, oh, it's so amazing. But I think those people sometimes maybe get caught up in ego instead about how do I want to show up in the world? So yeah, I appreciate that (laughs) you know your worth and it's not like seductive enough to go, oh my God, somebody's going to put me on their social media and my life's going to change. 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. Actually, for the photo booth, my favorite response to that question is like, okay, perfect. I would love to get more information. Can you send me the analytics about how many people are in Los Angeles, the demographic, including gender, the age range? Can you also let me know what the click-through rate is on da 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 Like I've learned so much about the questions <laughs> to ask that they usually have zero idea. And they're like, yeah, never mind. But here's our pricing. Yeah. Never mind. He's too much work. Yeah. Wow. He's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Well, Adam, we're at the Fast Five. Fast Five is brought to you by Acorns, where you can invest spare change, bank smarter, save for retirement, and so much more. For more information, you can click on the link in the show notes. All right, so Adam, we're going to just shift the energy a little bit. Okay. What's the first memory of money you have? Ooh. Ooh, my first memory of money would probably be, I used, (laughs) my mom used to take me to work. So my mom worked from the time I was six months old. And when I got old enough to go in to her office with her, she worked for a utility company at maybe like five or six years old, I would go into the office with her. And while I was bored at her office, I would take the boom box around the office, play Michael Jackson and dance for money for all her coworkers. (laughs) (laughs) You started young. Yes, yes. (laughs) I really did. (laughs) That's funny. What is something that no matter what's going on, you always leave room in the budget for? (laughs) boba tea and eating out (laughs) boba tea i just can't wrap my it's got like starch balls i can't get uh... let me tell you it's delicious Uh, it's delicious they taste weird (laughs) you gotta have the right drink you gotta have the right kind of drink we'll get boba sometime and i'll open your eyes because and then a lot of people drink too fast and you get too many in your mouth at once anyway I can go on. I love boba so i can talk about that forever it's okay all right there's a whole art to it so we'll check that out what store do you spend the bulk of your money at? Hmm. Dang. Probably Amazon, probably just because it's just too easy. It's there. But let me think about this. Store. <sighs> Man, I should spend more money. It's honestly probably independent online sellers of like collectibles. Yeah. It's probably what I do. I mean, I have a lot of comic book vendors on my Instagram, and that's probably where I spend most of my money. No, that's cool. I mean, it's me. Trader Joe's is probably me just because I love food. But oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd rather eat than buy something. Yeah. <laughs> Which anime character's finances would you love to peek into? Goku from Dragon Ball. I mean, that <laughs> show's been on for so long that, yeah, how's that guy making it work? <laughs> yeah. I mean, those characters should be getting paid for all this work they do. For like, something, that's right? That's not yeah. fair. It's <laughs> yeah. not fair. It's crazy. <laughs> What would you like your financial impact on the world to be? I think I would like people to know the importance of generosity, especially this day and age. And again, I was on unemployment in my early career. We kind of look to the government for help or we look for a handout here and there. But I do think that, well, for me, that undercuts my own faith in people. I think for the most part, people have tender hearts and good hearts and we want to help each other. So for me personally, I think it's really important to be generous with your money. And if you don't have money, your time is also something that you can be generous with. To be honest with you, whichever one stings you a little bit more, whether you're like, I have no free time, so giving my time is more difficult, or I don't have a lot of money, so giving money would be difficult. I think that's the one you should do. Yeah. Because in a way, it helps you take back the power. Like you don't give the money the power over you. Like you have to live your life in this bubble that money has created or forces you to live in. So you kind of take that power back. 
yeah, I think financial impact would be just generosity in general. Yeah, I love that. Well, we're at the sweet spot of M&M money and motivation. And I know you just shared something that actually feels impactful. But do you have another practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom that you could share with the listeners, something that's worked for you beyond going for the sting? Yeah, I think you have to understand your own limitations or understanding of money and then figure out where you need to be better. Some people are horrible with credit cards and that's okay as long as you stop using credit cards. If you're really smart with your money, then there are tons of ways you can leverage your money. But understanding sort of your own shortcomings and where you need to learn and get better and then finding that information out, not just leaving it up to someone else or putting your head in the sand and forgetting about it because you do need to be setting yourself up for a future and for emergencies and things like that. So I just think, Having a better understanding, demystifying money and things like retirement accounts and all that stuff is something you should take on as a responsibility for yourself. Then you don't have to worry about other people or someone else telling you the wrong thing or whatever. You just take it on yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. The thing I've been really hearing besides personal responsibility Mm -hmm. is not the big buy-in to what everybody's telling us, whether it's the starving artist whether it's you got to get the unemployment check as soon as you finish the gig. It's that willingness to say, wait a minute, I'm not buying into anybody else's programming. I'm going to go with what feels good to me. I'm not going to worry about the backup plan. I'm going to trust the universe even when there's good and there's bad. And I just think that so many people, whether it's fear-based or just because it's been beaten into them, no, I got to get the house. I got to get the picket fence or I've got to do these things or I got to buy the bigger boat Yeah. instead of just checking in and saying, hey, is this what I want? And I think so many of us don't nurture that place of gratitude, of being humble, of being like, wow, I got picked. There were a thousand people they were looking at. This was me this time. And 999 other people didn't get this opportunity. Yeah. And really seeing that positive aspect where so many other people are like either entitled or whatever it is that get maybe caught more up in the ego. And also this piece about willing to take a chance. You stopped the unemployment. You went out and started a business. That one didn't work. Okay, let me reevaluate. What can I do different? Where am I holding myself back? Yeah. So many people don't want to get too curious about what they could be doing differently because then they might actually have to be accountable or feel the disappointment that they chose not to take action. Yeah, I think it's just important to be honest with yourself. Have some faith in yourself. Trust that you know what you're going to do. Some people, look, taking a corporate job that has a predictable salary, that has predictable healthcare and all that, that's perfect. That's what some people want. And then it frees them up to not have to think about work once 5 p.m. hits and then they can go do whatever else they want. Anything can be fine. I think you just got to, yeah, be honest with yourself about what you want and where you want to be and then just go do it. Literally, Everyone will give you reasons why it's not going to work. The odds aren't in your favor. You're not the right ethnicity. You're this and that. Like to anybody, you don't have to listen to any of that. I mean, call me dumb, call me stubborn, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to do the thing that I know that I'm supposed to be doing. And all you have to do is just go put yourself out there and go get it. And make it happen. Yep. Well, Adam, it's been so great having you on the show. Where can people find you online, social media and all that good stuff? They can check out your shows. Yeah. Um, at Ninja Mac everywhere. It's N-I-N-J-A-M-A-C and literally Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. That's where you can find me. 
And what about the bus? Where can we find the bus? I want to sign up for the bus. I don't want to miss the bus and the booth. Yeah, the Booth and Bus Co. is at theboothandbusco.com. Theboothandandbusco.com. Well, Adam, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us a bit and wish you more continued success. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm so happy. And at least now I know when you got really good things going on, you can always take a photo because you've got the photo booth. <laughs> yeah, so you exactly. can save it with pictures, save exactly. the memories. So thank you so much. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn something new about your relationship to money today? Maybe you have a friend who has some financial blocks or beliefs that are holding them back. Please share this podcast so they too can get off the roller coaster ride of financial fears and journey towards financial freedom. To learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. We'll be back next week with another perspective on money and the emotions that bind us. 